Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So as Lucas said, we're, um, we're in our Ten Commandments series, and so, um, yeah, we're going to see that you might think how to manage your anger is not a commandment. We'll get there. Uh, and so, yeah, in fact, I need to, I, I shouldn't take my phone out, but that clock up there is not working, and that is my judge. And unless you want me to finish still at quarter to ten, uh, that is not going to help any of us out, is it? So uh, it was pointed out to me that that's not working, and for your own good, I'm just going to set the timer, uh, and so when it beeps, I'll come out. And so, um, there we go, we're on. Okay, yeah, so um, we're looking at kind of Ten Commandments, but we're not really just looking at them as simple rules that if we follow, we do okay, but actually, what the really heart of the commandments is and how it can impact our lives, and so we're going to get into that in a second. So, uh, just a little bit about me, I grew up in a small seaside sort of town, and when you live in a seaside town and leave 20 years ago, things change. And so, just examples of things that have changed since I left home. That, back in the day, was a pier, which has been a dance hall. It's been a nightclub, a particularly unpleasant one. And now, it is the world's biggest fish and chip shop. That's what we do back where I'm from, the world's biggest fish and chip shop. So, it's a, that is a, a big improvement. Another big improvement, uh, that used to be JD's night scene. It was once purple, then it was sort of a weird green color. Again, another terrible night spot. And now it's flats. That's better, isn't it? I think we can all accept that's an improvement. But not everything's an improvement when I go home. This was a theme park that I used to work at when I was young. I spent all my summers there uh, working. That is a ride called the Razzle Dazzle, uh, which once I had to clean up more vomit than you would think a human could make in that ride. And so, uh, yeah, I missed my bus home because half an hour after the park was closed, I was still getting into the corners, going real deep, real unpleasant times. Uh, but that's what the park used to be like. It now looks like this, something from a horror movie. It is shut. It is closed. I've driven Lindsay back there going, look at where I used to work. She was like, what, that place of nightmares? Yeah, no, it used to be open. It used to be open, but it, now it's just abandoned. So uh, unpleasant. But the one thing that never changes about a seaside town that is the amusement arcade then that is the amusement arcade now oh it's still going they might have repainted the front but it's still there with the same arcade machines in as it has always had and I spent many many an hour in my childhood in there in the arcade machines whether it was the 2p machine the 10p machines whether it was the actual ones where you do things like this on Time Crisis 2. Um, I shouldn't be one of the greatest achievements of my life. However, one of the greatest achievements of my life is completing Time Crisis 2. That is, me and a friend, we said, it doesn't matter how much it's going to cost us. Let me say it cost us too much money. But we just said, right, we have pockets full of 50p's. We're here till the end. And we are here. We are bonded forever with this experience. Because we wanted to be on the top scoreboard. We wanted to, everyone to see the name Dell at the top. And we're like, oh, yeah, that feels good. And I think sometimes with the Ten Commandments, we can kind of treat them as a little bit of a scoreboard of how well am I doing, right? And so if I was to read Exodus 20... You've got the, the 10 that will come up here. Um, but if I was to just quickly kind of paraphrase from Exodus 20, it says, You should have no gods before me. You should not make yourself an image in the form of heaven or on the earth or under the earth. 
Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal. Don't give false testimony against your neighbor and don't covet your neighbor's house or anything like that. So we can easily go, right, am I an eight out of 10? Am I a five out of 10? Am I a three out of 10 Christian? If we were to rank people here and there, you've got Lucas as a 10 out, he's a pastor. So of course he's the 10 out of 10. Tom, who's taking our young people, he's a nine. Rianne, I think we could all accept is at least a nine there, Sarah. Uh, I assume that's Sarah Jewess. Lindsay did the slide. So I just said, Lindsay, pick the holiest people. So if you've got a problem, you go, she put herself at, uh, uh, when I did uh, this at Orford. She was like, oh, I'll just put myself on there. And so she obviously really, really doesn't kind of think compared to you guys that she deserves to be on the leaderboard. But anyway, we kind of look at the Ten Commandments and go, oh, man. Maybe I'm not as good. I'm sure people like Lucas are 10 out of 10 Christians. And that is not the point. It's not a scorecard to go, how well am I doing? And how, when I get to heaven, I can give him my piece of paper like you've done a weird round of crazy golf and go, here's my score. Do I get in? That's not, we don't get these 10 things to justify us. They don't make us okay with God. How good we are at the rules. These are ways that we should live our life but they don't make us right with God. They are supposed to be things that when we are in relationship with God and we live from that place, actually the people of God look different. And these are things that should make us look different. And I, we've been doing this with the young people for the past however many weeks, four or five weeks that we've been in this series. So every week we go through them and every week I say, right, okay. We, we try, and, try and get them to guess which one we're doing this week. And, and I always say, which one's the hardest to, to kind of keep? What do you think they think the hardest commandments to keep are? Do not lie. Yeah, they, they kind of go, they give themselves a half point on that. It's amazing. They go, D well, don't lie, but, and they love a but. They go, well, yeah, but in this, that's all right there, though, isn't it, Dale? That's all right there. So they kind of go, do not lie. Uh, any others that they think particularly hard? Of course, honor your father and mother. Of course, they're there going. But sometimes, Dale, my mum and dad, they're just unreasonable. And, oh, yeah. Not in Lim. No, none of your kids say that. No, 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 no. Just when I do this at Latchford. Yeah, yeah, they're, of, of course. What do you think the easiest one is that they always say to, to keep? They're not murder. Murder's pretty straightforward, isn't it? They'll all give themselves one point on that. When we're meeting them on a Friday, and we say, how are your weeks been? It's very rare that someone goes, oh, I've been struggling with a bit of murder. It's not, it doesn't happen often, does it? It's not something that they often come up to me and struggle with. And so we kind of go, well, at least I can do that. I'm not very good as a Christian, but I've got one. Unfortunately, that's not, thankfully, that's not how we judge ourselves. Unfortunately, it, we can't just give ourselves a point on this, as we'll see in, in, in sadness either. So... Exodus 20 is quite clear. You shall not murder. There we go. That's quite a simple verse. Um, and even people who aren't Christians, who don't believe in the Bible, I think pretty much everyone would accept, right, even if they don't accept some of these other 10, they would all accept murder's the biggie. Like, that's wrong. We can all accept murder's wrong. That's something we don't do. But again, Jesus is calling our hearts to be different. And that's a good rule, do not murder. I'm not saying that's not a good rule. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, 21 to 22 and the kids don't like it when we talk about this one because they murder and they go yep fair one and then you, Jesus says you have heard it said to the people long ago you should not murder anyone who murders will be subject to judgment but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment anyone who says to a brother or sister racket is answerable to the court and anybody who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell and then he goes on to say, look, this is so important. 
that if you've got a problem with your kind of brother or sister, have it sorted out before you come to God. Resolve it. Don't just let that fester. And so, you know, people go, oh, but did Jesus really mean that? He doesn't mean that, does he? As long as you're not murdering it still. He really means it. And I think it's because anger can eat away at us in such a way. You know, like most of us, we know that it's not going to take us to the point of murder. But it can eat away and it can rob us of who we are. And it's so easy for that to happen. You know, like, I'm going to put a few situations up, and some of you will find these more frustrating than others. So let's have a look at some of these. Right, that, you might think, well, if someone gave me cookies, Dale, that's not going to make me frustrating. Well, they look like chocolate chip, don't they? Ah, if you eat them and they're raisin, ah, some of us are getting a little annoyed there. Do you want a cookie? It's flipping raisin. Like, so immediately, I'm angry at an inanimate object, so that's not a great start. That one looks okay in that context, but some of you will understand the frustration that, yeah, if that road's a bit emptier and that person stays in that middle lane, some of you are a little bit less happy with them, aren't they? Get over, mate. Get over. Get over. You can see it raging. Come on. Uh, someone parking in a disabled spot. Now we can, oh, yeah. Even if you're just running in to somewhere, we can all accept that, oh, that is past the line. Not acceptable. Jump in a queue. Jump in a queue is pretty poor, isn't it? Jump in a queue. You know, it's not often in England that we'll challenge people, but if someone jumps a queue, you know, we may well be, excuse me. Well, excuse that is, yeah, we can't accept that. <laughs> that is, I don't know if anyone will even clock what this one, anyone have a guess what that is? So, hmm? Noisy eating. That's right. If someone would have just gone, so what you see. It's when people eat with a drill. No, it's not that. Noisy. I said, Lindsay, can you just find me a picture of a noisy eater? And that's that. So, yeah, some of you know, you know, oh, you're eating your cereal a bit loud, you know, and it's uh, really petty. Um, slow walking people. If you just find yourself in a crowd walking behind somebody and you wonder, what's wrong with you? Uh, and then, oh, the British rail system. The British rail system. Uh, that is. Uh, yeah, fair enough. And then I think I've got a Lindsay Della special. This is one just for Linz. Uh, just, and this is quite niche, admittedly. When she goes to Starbucks and the special drinks that they advertise are never on. And, you know, we'll go there and she'll be like, oh, I'll have the salted maple. No, we, had, we don't have that. And Lindsay's like, well, in America, if they advertise a special drink, that special drink will be on that special drink. And so straight away, she'll be like, oh, I'm going to take down Starbucks. Um, and then spoilers, if you're somebody who's into TV or movies, uh, the idea that someone just tells you about that could make you rage. And so all of those are such tiny little scenarios. But it's amazing how quickly they can kind of flick us and we just start getting that little bit more annoyed, that little bit more annoyed at life. I was going to, Beth, uh, to Orford this morning, and somebody took the wrong lane on, a mo on the roundabout and cut across me. And I was like, bless you. No, I was not. <laughs> I was like, mate, what are you doing? Oh, he's about to go preach on anger, isn't he? He's about to go preach on anger. And like, it can happen so quickly and so kind of naturally, you know, but Jesus doesn't call us to be normal. All right? And so we know these situations will come up. We know they'll happen all the time. And what we can't stop is people doing some of these things. You know, I had a friend who, she used to struggle a bit with road rage. And she used to say, I, I used to tell myself that somebody who cut me up on the motorway, oh, maybe they've just had a tough day. Maybe their kid's sick. Maybe. So every time it would happen, she would be, maybe this has happened. And she'd vent little stories. She said it never worked. And I said, because ultimately, some of those people are probably just 
being selfish. They're probably just being unreasonable. Because ultimately, when we live in the world, there's a lot of unreasonable people in the world. And believe it or not, me and you can sometimes be those unreasonable people. And so what we need is we need that ability to have that grace for each other and that forgiveness for each other, because otherwise that kind of frustration will just bubble up and bubble up. Jesus says in John 13, he says, a new command I give you to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's not normal. To be known for our love is not the same as everybody else. We've just heard from Arthur today about this prison's work. Like, to love like that is not normal. Like, it's not what the world would expect people to do. But as people who have had our hearts changed by God, we want to love in a way that is not normal. We want to have a heart that cares for people that are sometimes difficult to care for, that go beyond what is the normal thing. You know? And so the world knows what it is, and we know what it is to get annoyed and frustrated but actually, we can't just allow that in and go, yeah, but that's natural. No, it's not natural. And it will rot us from who we're supposed to be. If we're supposed to be known for our love, we need to really protect ourselves, I think, from that frustration and that anger creeping in. All over the New Testament, it tells us to put away our anger. So um, Ephesians 4, verse 31. Oh, this is the, this is the problem with timing myself. Uh, Ephesians 4, 31 says, get rid of all bitterness rage, anger, brawling and slander, and every form of malice. Colossians 3a, rid yourself of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. You could repeat that over and over and over again. Almost every time it's in the New Testament, it's there as a negative thing that really we should have nothing to do with, and we should try and rid ourselves of that. The first murder in the Bible, Cain and Abel, way, 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 way back, you know, like, it says they both gave an offering, and basically God was quite happy with one and not so happy with the other. And he says to Cain, why are you angry about that? Why are you angry about that? Like, and he basically says, look, you need to kind of be able to deal with this. And then how does Cain deal with it? By killing somebody. And that's not going to happen with many of us, but we know what it is to feel that anger and go, but God, that's not fair. And we can spin that around and hold on to that, because the lie is that anger feel quite nice you know like it, it feels quite satisfying right when someone has wronged us or when we look at the world and go but that's not fair why do they get that god we can almost hold that as a bit of oh it feels quite nice because i feel like i'm almost a little bit superior in that way or it feels comforting to be annoyed and it's just a lie it will ruin us from the inside and it will kind of take us away from who we are like many of us are the best arguers in the world in the shower right you know when we've had a real difficult day we get in the shower and go let me tell you i would have said you know like can you think oh this is a healthier way of dealing with it but it's not it's just building up that angst in us that frustration in us the healthier way is god man i'm annoyed all the time just help me please release me from this again and again because actually otherwise we just let it build and we just let it build uh, and it has no place there. And, and I know as I say this, somebody somewhere is thinking, but Dell, because we like a loophole, right? We like a loophole, like the young people. They like them with their lying, yeah, but lying, but seriously, they're right, what if? And they love a what if. What if I'm hiding somebody and, you know, somebody's about to try and, you know, kill them? Would I have to lie? And you're like, you know, if, what about right in the Old Testament? Rahab, she's hiding some spies. And then they come and look for him. She says, no, no, I haven't seen the spies. Was that okay to lie? All right, do you know what? If you're hiding some Old Testament spies, maybe you've got a loophole. But you probably haven't got as many as you think. 
And so something says, yeah, but what about righteous anger? That's always the one, isn't it? I can be angry in a righteous way, though. You know, and I would say our anger is not often as righteous as we like to think it is. You know, like, uh, in terms of the anger, there's probably, I could find about a handful, maybe four or five in the Old Testament, where anger was okay, and it seems as a reasonable thing. Moses gets angry at Pharaoh when Pharaoh won't release the Israelites from slavery. Moses gets angry when he gets the Ten Commandments, and he comes down, and then he's like, right, he's about to announce that he's got his ten rules, and immediately they're breaking, effectively, rules one and two, immediately before he even gets there. And he's like, flipping heck, Aaron. And so he gets angry the moment he comes down. So do you know what? If you're in charge of a nation that won't be released from slavery, you can be angry. If you're in charge of uh, kind of bringing down God's commands, you, and your people are immediately breaking them, maybe you can be angry. But even then, Moses' biggest mistake is when God says to him, Look, speak to the rock and there'll be water. And it says the people were just moaning at him. The people were saying, why are we in the wilderness? Why are we here? You've brought us here to die again. We should have been better in slavery. And it says Moses get really angry and hit the rock. And that's the one thing that actually ends up not going in the promised land for. And it comes out of him getting angry. And so it's so easy to go, yeah, but this is righteous anger. But actually, we justify it a little bit more than maybe we think. And Jesus has righteous anger, I'm aware, before someone comes to me later on. Jesus in John 2, verse 13 to 15, it says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple court, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle, and uh, scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And so when I was a kid, I read that in the Bible, and I was kind of scribbling on my Bible, and I just remember writing it still there now. It just says, go on, son. I, just, I, thought, I, got, I thought angry Jesus was quite cool. I was like, what was this all about? I thought that was all right. And that kind of can make us, yeah, but if there's injustice, we can be angry. You know, and Jesus is there because this house, this place of worship, has become this area that's miles away from what it's supposed to be. You know, like the area in the Gentile courts where these tables would have been, would have been where people like me and you could have heard from God. We could have actually been able to come, draw near to God, to pray, to be still, to encounter him. And in those courts where the super religious people weren't, but people like me and you were, that's the area where it's chaos, where there's cattle, where there's money, where there's noise. So me and you can't connect to God. So Jesus is angry because people can't be connected with God. Well, that's fair enough. That is righteous anger. And so when it's to do with people and having that kind of situation where they're separated from God or there is injustice, that should make us angry. But we've got to be so careful because we're not perfect, right? And so I remember the A-level kind of thing from two, three years ago whenever. And when they first year, they did predicted grades for A-levels. And then they did this calculation and they said, ah, it's all a bit too high, isn't it? We need to, that's not going to be too, that's not going to be good enough. We need to bring some of those down. And some of those then came down and some of our young people got their grades revised down because some formula somewhere said, no, your, your kids can't have done that well. The private schools, they're okay. They, they probably will have done that well. And I remember being so angry, that's so unfair that some of our young people and people like me back in the day, people who have not come from great places, they've got graded down and nobody else did. And it started with, that's so unfair, and quite quickly it ends with, do you know who's to blame? And I start getting angry at a person and a an department. And it starts with something that's righteous, 
But because I'm such a sinner, I end up going, yeah, and I'm angry at Gavin Williamson. You know, like, and that's where it goes. You, you start with a righteous thing. We think, yeah, but it's okay to be angry about this. And before you know it, you're angry at a man. And now it's not okay. You know, like, righteous anger leads to things like the grocery stores that we have where we think people need to eat. They haven't got enough. Well, where is the fruit of that? Righteous anger brings a fruitful action. It brings things like a prison ministry where we say, these people need love. It brings the hope into action house that we have. But so often for me, it brings judgment and criticism. And I don't want to leave that loophole, but that's all right, God, because they're out of order. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to say, but it's okay. And if it takes us to places of anger and bitterness, then it is not the righteous anger that we think it is. But the good news is that we can live uh, in a different way. You know, we can live not in that place where we just focus on the bad stuff. You know, I read two verses before in the New Testament about stay away from the bad stuff. You know, like get rid of bitterness, get rid of rage. So Ephesians 4 says that. We read the first verse of this. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander and every form of malice. And we kind of stopped there. And we thought that's the verse. And this is, we're going to talk with our young people this week about how to read the Bible. And this is sometimes the danger with just reading a verse at a time. Because it doesn't stop there. And then it says, but be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other as in Christ forgave you. Because otherwise what we do is we say, I just need to stay away from rage. And actually a lot of the Christian kind of life is not just stay away from the bad stuff. But how do we live different lives? You know, we can't just read half the verse. Same with Colossians. We read this first bit and it says, rid yourself of anger, malice, slander, filthy language. But then Colossians say, don't lie to each other. And then there's this great bit here. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed. You know, and it's not just a one-off thing. We baptized about seven of our young people last week. Incredible. But their story is not like they were a mess and now they're baptized. Phew, they're now perfect forever. It's all sorted. It's absolutely not. It's a start. It represents really something that's happened probably for many of them a long time ago. Where actually, they're on a journey of being renewed over and over and over again. You know, we can't just say, well, phew, I'm glad I used to be a mess, but now I think God's happy with me because I'm pretty good. You know, that's not the story of when we become a Christian. The story is we've put on the new self, which is being renewed. Then it goes on. If we flick to the next thing there, it says, therefore... Um, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of this, put on love, which binds them in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since of members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. And for me, that's that, that last bit. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let me tell you, you can't do that yourself. You can't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to decide to let the peace of... It's not an act of you and your will and your self-control. It's the peace of Christ. Yeah. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we only get that from God filling our lives over and over again. Yes, we can work on our patience and we can work on our temper. But actually, that's not the deal. It's not just like waking up going, right... Today, today is the day where I'm not going to get annoyed at people cutting me up on a roundabout. You know, you, can't, you can get to a point with that. But to be the people that God calls us to be, we want to be him, having him renew us and having his peace. 
over and over in our lives. You know, it's like if, if Lindsay woke up in the morning and I was in a bad mood, and then she said, oh, you're in a bad mood today. Do you know what that makes me? It makes me in a worse mood, doesn't it? It just makes me in a I don't go, well, I'm just going to decide to stop being in a bad mood. It doesn't happen. We need to kind of know what it is to lay our lives down again and again. And as a, a young lad, I used to be angry at everything and everyone. I'd be angry at kids in my school um, because my school was a tough place and we would just hassle each other and take the mick out of each other. And I'd get angry because I was either the butt of a joke sometimes because of being at church. And then I'd get angry at my family because I was like, well, you're bringing me to church. I don't even like church. I don't even want to be at church. And I'm getting hassled for being at church and I hate church. And I'm angry at church because everyone at church hates me in church. Then I'm angry at my dad because he's just old. He was 50. And so like, that's a bit unfair, isn't it? It's a bit unfair. He was 50 when I was born. But let's be honest, that's a little old for a dad. And so I was angry at that because everyone else's dad was young and cool and can run and all that kind of stuff. So I was angry at that. I was angry at my mum for being 25 and my dad was 50 because that was weird. And so that was angry. Uh, and so then I was angry at my sister for being clever because that was annoying, because she was cleverer than... And so all of these things would just be constantly cycling around. So what I ended up doing is just any little situation that would happen would just tip me over the edge. I had this bucket of frustration, like the world is unfair. And anything that happened would spill over, and I'd be like, right, I'm in a fight. And I would get in so many fights as a teenager. And before you think this is a real boast... I would lose so many fights as a teenager. Like, believe it or not, the world of an accounting lecturer did not start on the mean streets with me beating people up. It started with me getting punched in the face and crying quite a lot. That's what it started with. But I'd get angry. I'd want to throw a dig. I'd get punched. I'd cry. End of fight. It was not pleasant. And so this would be my story that every time something would happen, it would bubble over. And I remember when I was about 14, 15, I was like, God, I don't want this anymore. I know that there's a God and I just don't think, as I read the Bible, this is how I should be. It feels like I've got this anger, but it's, it's not me. It's not who I really actually am. It's not just I'm trying to be good for you. It just don't feel that this is right, and I want it to go. And I would pray, and I would struggle, and I'd pray, and I would struggle. And then one day when I was 15 in maths, in year 10 maths, we were having a very in-depth conversation about haircuts. And so one lad, we were talking, and I was, we were just commenting on each other's hair. I don't know why we're doing that. But I had lovely, believe it or not, I had lovely hair. I know it's difficult to believe, but I had lovely hair at the time. And then Matty, this guy Matty, just said, he just took the mick out of my hair. And I said, I'm not having this from you. And I said, I can't have this from you, mate. And I ruffled his hair. Now, this was a mistake, because my school was, at, we were at the bottom rung. So we got the people who'd been excluded from other people. And Matty had come in and you know, kids tell stories, and he said, oh, yeah, why are you here, Matty? Oh, I've been robbing trains. I don't think you've been robbing trains, Matty. You're quite small. I think you've seen that in a movie somewhere, but the internet doesn't exist, so we can't even prove if you have or not. So anyway, I ruffled his hair, and Matty, that was his trigger. He stood up on the desk, kicked me in the face, and we didn't get thrown out for much in my school, but that was the maths teacher said, yeah, kick in the face. That's probably all right. Come on, out you go. So he threw him out, but then, now he's in the corridor. We ain't, got, we ain't got teachers controlling this. So he's in the corridor, and now somehow the word gets around. There's going to be a fight, right? You know what it's like at school. We didn't have phones. I don't know how the word gets around. But I walk out of that maths class at the end, 20 minutes later. There's about 100 people there. And I was like, how's this happened? How was everybody? Well, people have flown in. We've heard there's a fight. We've heard there's going to be a fight, everybody. It was a, and I was like, oh, no, here it goes again. And I was thinking, and so this guy came at me, and I was like, I don't want to fight you. 
and he swung a punch at me, and I was like, I don't want to fight you. And everyone's going, Deli, you're weird. And I was just, I got him in a headlock, and I was like, I just don't want to fight you. It's very odd. And people were booing me, booing me. What a weird thing. People were like, oh, we've come for a fight. We want blood. And I was just like, it was this weirdest thing, because I'd been praying and praying, and all of a sudden, I just had no desire. It was just like something had flicked a switch off in me. And the weird thing is, he was small. I could have won that one. But it was anyway, it doesn't matter. And so... But it was like this time where things had just changed. And I remember thinking, man, I'm so glad that I'm no longer an angry person. But I wish that that was my, you know, I have not punched a man or been punched in the face since. But the thing is, I can kind of say, I remember that 15-year-old lad being really, really kind of saying, God, I don't want to be like this. Will you change me? And do you know what? I, I have not been the same way with frustration and anger towards people. You know, just, that, just as I was when I was a kid and I thought, oh, you know, I, I'm get, I just don't want that anger. Actually, I'll let it sit in with me a little bit more. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be a bit judgmental. And that's not what I want. I want to be that 15-year-old kid who says, God, please take that away from me because I don't want that in me. You know, the final picture that I want to leave you with is not Jesus with a whip in the temple. It's Jesus on the cross. And Lucas has talked about this a lot. And we talk about righteous anger. Well, if there's ever a time when Jesus could have had righteous anger... It's when he is accused of stuff that's not true. It's when they're releasing a murderer instead of him. When they're putting him on a cross, when they're whipping him, when they're beating him, when they're fighting over his clothes. And then in Luke 23, 32, uh, 35, so uh, it says this, it says, towards the end, it says, two other men, both criminals, were led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father... Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You know, Jesus was more interested in reconciliation than revenge. He was more interested on bringing us towards him than whether he should have been angry or not. You know, and at that point, when it says we need to forgive people like Jesus forgives people, it makes all of a sudden my petty frustration and my loopholes about my righteous anger really seem to hold much weight as an argument. You know, I want to be somebody who doesn't go, yeah, but I don't fight anymore, God. So that's okay, isn't it? No, I want to be, God, I don't want this frustration. I don't want to be angry with people. I don't want to get annoyed at people. I want to be somebody who has the peace of God reigning in their hearts. And God, I need you to do that in me again today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And so, yeah, God, we just ask that you would help us to do that, God. That We don't want to be people who just accept that anger is natural and it's part of us. But we want to be people with hearts after you. We want that you to renew us over and over, that we would be known for our love, that we would be known not just for what we're against, but we would be known for what we love, even when it seems ridiculous. So God, I pray that you would just take our, our old lives and our, our brokenness and our selfishness. God, would you just take those things away and would you fill us again and give us your heart? Difficult though it may be, we want to be people who live that way after you. Help us with that, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.